when I got into German history, I decided fairly quickly that the most interesting part was 20th century German history, because that's when it went wrong. I was thinking that university professors and Christians would have been just the sort of people who would have seen through Hitler, would have seen he was evil, would have seen it was immoral to follow Hitler. However, I quickly recognized that that wasn't the case, that if you looked around the university community, you almost could not find real resistance to the Nazi state. And that if you looked in the church, you didn't find much resistance. That's Dr. Robert Erickson, author of Theologians Under Hitler, and someone I'm privileged to call a dear friend and mentor. His words reflect the sentiment that many of us have. How is it possible that smart, faithful people, such as university professors, who, by the way, have such a powerful influence on institutions, and Christians did not immediately see the evil Hitler represented? Well, apparently it's all easier to see in hindsight than it is while it's happening. Coming to terms with this problem has become the work of my spiritual life. How can faith guide us in ways that prevent catastrophes like the Holocaust and the Nazis? Well, I'm a big believer in the power of history to inform our faith, and that's what this podcast, The Altar and the Eagle, will try to accomplish. It's been almost 85 years since Nazi persecution turned violent on November 9, 1939, the night we know as Kristallnacht, or the November Pogrom. What can we learn from this period of history that might inform us about our own time? What forces were at work then that we might identify in our own country today? And how might we better understand the role of the church an institution that seems to call forth the very best and the very worst from us. Thank you for joining me on this journey. I'm your host, Reverend Stephen D. Martin. Before we get into the story of Paul Althaus, we're going to need to introduce two factions in the church that inform our story. One you've probably heard of, the Confessing Church. The Confessing Church was made up of pastors who signed the Barman Declaration, a statement penned by the great theologian Karl Barth. It stands as a great marker of resistance to Nazi policies that were being adopted in the churches. We typically look at the Confessing Church as a movement that held a bulwark against Nazism in the churches. You may not have heard of the Confessing Church's opponents, the faith movement of the German Christians, or, as we'll call them, the Deutsche Christen. These were pro-Nazi extremists that, although they did not have great numbers, held formidable positions of power in the early 1930s. Their flag was of a large cross with a swastika where the vertical and horizontal come together. I've only seen black and white photos of this flag, but I can only assume that in color, it's blood red. Now, it's very easy to imagine that these two bodies can be conceived of as the good guys and the bad guys. 
the confessing church pastors wearing white hats, and the Deutsche Christen pastors wearing black. The truth is much more confusing. Through the lens of hindsight, we assume that the confessing church pastors were ready to defend their Jewish neighbors and stood courageously against Nazi persecution. The truth is that somewhere close to 95% of the confessing church pastors made their oath to Hitler. And we've all heard of how the Nazis persecuted the churches. But one of the complaints of persecution came from churches that were banned from flying the Nazi flag outside their churches or placing the flag on their altars. I'll devote an entire episode of this podcast to what we call the Kirchenkampf, or the church struggle, so don't worry too much for now. Suffice it to say that these two sides were opponents, and today's subject, Paul Althaus, was often found responding to one of these sides or the other. Let's take a breath, and then we'll get into the story of Paul Althaus, the century's greatest scholar of Martin Luther. It is said that Althaus is so influential that one cannot study the writings of Luther without doing so through the lens of Althaus. Paul Althaus, a name synonymous with Lutheran theology, served as a military chaplain during the First World War. His experience in World War I was not just a backdrop to his academic pursuits, it was really a crucible that shaped his entire worldview. As a young man, Althaus witnessed firsthand both the horrors and the camaraderie of war. The Great War, as it was known, brought about a sense of nationalistic fervor a sentiment that deeply permeated Althaus's thinking. The battlefield with its chaos and brotherhood left an indelible mark on his psyche. He observed the clash of ideologies, the human cost of conflict, and the role of faith in such desperate times. This experience undoubtedly colored his theological reflections, infusing them with a realism and a sense of urgency born out of conflict. In the trenches and amidst the thunder of artillery, Althaus's perspectives on God, humanity, and society were forged. The war's impact on him was not merely physical or emotional, it was deeply spiritual. He grappled with questions about God's presence in suffering, the nature of evil, and the role of the church in a world torn asunder. These experiences would later echo in his theological writings, where he often sought to reconcile the harsh realities of human existence with the teachings of Lutheranism. In the war's aftermath, the social upheaval and the collective search for meaning in a world scarred by conflict, all of that further influenced Althaus. 
The disillusionment and the longing for a renewed sense of purpose that swept through Germany resonated with him. His subsequent alignment with the Nazi regime can be partly traced back to these post-war years where the collective desire for national rejuvenation and stability brought, found expression in all kinds of political ideologies, uh, including the dangerous allure of Nazism. Thus, Paul Althaus's experience in World War I was not just a chapter in his life, it was a pivotal event that shaped his theological journey and his controversial political stances. The war, with its blend of tragedy and transformation, left an enduring legacy on this complex and often contradictory figure in the history of Lutheran theology. Paul Althaus's views on the Deutsche Christen, or the German Christian movement, are an intriguing aspect of his complex relationship with the political and religious landscape of his time. The Deutsche Christen movement sought to align German Protestantism with the nationalistic and racial ideologies of the Nazi regime, advocating for a church that reflected the national and racial character of Germany. I'll say more about the Deutsche Christen in another episode. It's quite a story. Althaus, known for his deep engagement with Lutheran theology, didn't officially join into the Deutsche Christen movement. However, his writings and public speeches often resonated with the themes promoted by this group. He believed in a strong connection between the German nation and the Christian faith, seeing the rise of National Socialism as a pivotal moment for the rejuvenation of both the German state and the German church. His interpretation of Lutheran doctrine of the two kingdoms, which talks about the separation and mutual respect between the church and the state, was nuanced. Althaus saw the state as a God-given entity that deserved the church's support and loyalty. This perspective led him to view the alignment of the church with the state as promoted by the Deutsche Christen as something potentially positive. Despite this seeming alignment, Althaus maintained a critical distance from some of the more radical elements of the Deutsche Christen movement, particularly their aggressive Arianization policies and their attempts to completely restructure the church in line with Nazi theology. He was more conservative in his approach, focusing on the theological implications of nationalism rather than its racial aspects. Althaus did not formally align with the Deutsche Christen movement. His theological views and his nationalistic leanings led him to a position of cautious sympathy toward their goals. He saw the rise of National Socialism as an opportunity for the church to reassert its role in German society, albeit in a way that was less radical than the Deutsche Christen proposed. His stance reflects the complex and often contradictory nature of religious and political affiliations during this tumultuous period in history. When we come back, we'll examine Althaus's most controversial writing, which opens with the words, our Protestant churches have seen the turning year of 1933 as a gift and miracle of God.
The German Hour of the Churches, a tract written by Paul Outhouse in 1933, stands as a significant yet controversial document in the context of his career and the broader landscape of German theology during the rise of the Nazi regime. This tract was penned at a pivotal moment in German history, just as Adolf Hitler was consolidating power, and it reflects the complex interplay of theology, nationalism, and politics that characterized the era. In this work, Althaus articulates a perspective that resonates deeply with the national mood of the time. He viewed the ascent of Hitler and the Nazi party as a providential act, a moment that could lead to the moral and spiritual rejuvenation of Germany. This viewpoint was not uncommon among German intellectuals and clergy of that period who often saw the rise of the Nazis as an opportunity for a renaissance of German culture and Christian faith. Althaus argued for a strong relationship between the German state and the Protestant church. He believed that the church had a critical role to play in supporting the state, providing it with moral and spiritual guidance. In his tract, The German Hour of the Churches, he emphasized the importance of a national church that reflected the cultural and ethnic identity of Germany, a concept that aligned well with the nationalist and folkish ideologies of the Nazis. However, Althaus's stance in this tract and his broader support for the Nazi regime have been the subject of intense criticism, especially in the post-war period. Many theologians and historians view his writings, including the German Hour of the Churches, as a problematic conflation of Christian theology with nationalist and authoritarian ideologies. His interpretations of Luther's ideas, particularly in the context of a rising totalitarian state, have been seen as a misappropriation of religious beliefs for political ends. In the end, Althaus occupied a place in the middle, generally supporting the Nazis while distancing himself from the most extreme positions of the Deutsche Christen. After World War II, Paul Althaus, like many intellectuals of his time, found himself in a period of reflection and reevaluation. The end of the war and the fall of the Nazi regime brought about a profound shift in the political and ethical landscape of Germany, compelling Althaus to confront his previous support for National Socialism. Althaus's post-war stance was characterized by a complex mix of acknowledgement and defense. On the one hand, he recognized that his support for the Nazi regime had been a significant misjudgment. He saw the devastating consequences of the war and the horrors of the Holocaust, which undoubtedly impacted his perspective. This led to a certain level of self-critique, particularly regarding how his theological interpretations might have inadvertently supported the totalitarian and oppressive policies of the Nazis. However, Althaus didn't fully repudiate his past views. Instead, he tended to frame his support for National Socialism as a product of his time, a response to the chaotic and challenging circumstances Germany faced in the interwar period. He maintained that his intentions had been to preserve the Church and its teachings in a rapidly changing world although he admitted that this perspective had led him down a problematic path.
There was also an element of defensiveness in his post-war reflections. Althaus argued that his theological positions were based on a genuine interpretation of Lutheran doctrine and were not inherently aligned with Nazi ideology. He attempted to separate his theological views from the political misuses of those views, suggesting that the latter were a distortion of his intentions. In sum, Paul Althaus's view of his stance after World War II was one of a man grappling with the consequences of his actions and beliefs in a dramatically altered moral landscape. He showed signs of regret and self-critique, but also tried to defend the theological basis of his earlier positions. This period was a time of introspection for Althaus, as it was for many who had navigated the complex interplay of religion and politics during the Nazi era. It's sometimes hard for people outside of the church and the academic side of the church to understand how one can defend things that are actually indefensible. In my view, that's the whole point of both politics and religion. Politics is based on power, and so those who seek power will set their consciences aside to do what is most expedient. The power in theology is through being right, right in one's thinking and right in one's teaching. Althaus taught Luther's theology of the two kingdoms, which basically says that both the state and the church are ways God works to save a broken world, but that they do it through separate institutions and methodologies. The Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 13, tells Christians to heed the voice of their civil leaders, that to defy the law of the land is to defy God. Althaus seemed to believe that in Hitler, God was acting boldly in history to save the German people, and that the church best support that effort, or it will find itself to be defying God. Romans 13 is not the only view in the New Testament, however. In Revelation 13, the all-powerful state or empire is the beast. This podcast is produced and written by me, Reverend Stephen D. Martin. I would like to thank those who have taught me about this subject over the past 20 years. Robert Erickson, Susanna Heschel, Doris Bergen, Hartmut Lehmann, Victoria Barnett, Manfred Geilis, Wolfgang Krogel, Rudolf Weckerling, Richard Steigman Gall, Rob Shank, and dozens of others. Please subscribe to this podcast and please consider supporting it through visiting our Patreon page. Thank you, and join us for our next episode.